Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Reconciling Grace. This is a podcast where we discuss topics and passages from the Bible. And and uh, right now we might actually have, I don't know, what would you call it, Josh, a topic? It's not necessarily a passage that we're going to be sharing. But I guess before I say that, I ought to say that Josh Kugel is going to be leading our discussion today. And also with us is Pastor Mac, P. Mac, and my name is Pete Vecchi. And so, Josh, we're going to be talking a little bit about prayer. Is that correct? We are. Um, and let me just just as an intro, uh, I don't know if you guys have read the book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Miracles. Excellent, excellent book. We did it as a Sunday school class in church, and I, I just really loved it. Um, but it got to one thing in the book, and I'm going to go over that really quick. But what that did is it led me to some questions later as I was doing a sermon uh, series on the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to take you kind of through that. But Lee Strobel does an excellent job. He interviews some atheists. He talks about the kind of counter to God does miracles and all this. And then he gets into the evidence that he's found uh, to believe that God works miracles all over the world. And it's just astounding. It's it's really faith inspiring. Um, It's super interesting. So I recommend the book, first of all. But he gets to a chapter called The Science of Miracles. And then what he does is he... He, he quotes from a prospective, randomized, double-blind, parallel group-controlled trial. So this oh, is again? a... Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. It's essentially, what it is, is it's a study on whether or not prayer works. And the, the organization that did it, which is Harvard Medical School and, and some other organizations associated, spent $2.4 million on a peer-reviewed study. And what they found... And what they did is they had people pray uh, all over the place for uh, people that were somewhere else. And then they had people uh, who were not being prayed for. And then they examined the results from those. And the study's conclusion was prayer recipients fared no better than those who weren't prayed for. So Lee started to look into that. He went and interviewed somebody. And it turns out um, that they had picked just anybody to pray. They actually didn't go to any Christians to get them to pray. Now, that should be a flag for anybody spending $2.4 million. They picked a denomination that's really not known as being a very Christian denomination to be part of this study. The rest were kind of just not even. And so here's people who don't believe in Christian prayer praying, and all these people jumped on this study saying, well, hold on, this shows objectively that prayer doesn't work. And then he went to some other studies that were very similar that were organized by people that really wanted to take a look at Christian prayer. And they had Christians pray for strangers, people they weren't around, nowhere else. And they looked at the results between someone who was prayed for by a Christian uh, repeatedly and someone who wasn't prayed for. And they found just astounding results. It was amazing how those who were being prayed for had seen just miracles, had seen things working. It was so inspiring. But I just want to tell you, I came away from that kind of encouraged that 
prayer works, that there's studies that show it, that if you look at it from Christian perspective, where Christians pray for people, there's a demonstrable kind of evidence of whether or not prayer works. And then I asked the question when I was going through my series, hold on, how do you know that prayer works? And the way, the way we've come up to knowing that prayer works is if you get what you ask for from God. And then I started to think, that's not really what prayer is, is us going to God telling him, you have to do what I'm asking. And if you don't, I'm going to declare that my prayer has not worked. And then it made me, well, and then it made me start thinking, well, hold on. I'm looking through the Lord's prayer, which is what I'm praying over. And it very little of it is kind of this laundry list prayer of God, this is what I need and need and need and need. And I'm just going to wait for you to answer and give me my wish list. Because that's really what you go to a genie about. That's what you go to, you know, uh, that's what you make birthday wishes for. And God, how dare we reduce whether or not prayer works and whether or not my relationship with God works by how often he does what I tell him to. Or even the more polite way, what I ask him to. So I thought before we talk about this, I want to read. It's Matthew. It's in the Lord's, it, I mean, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told by the, the, the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who's ever lived. Um, and it's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He's given uh, instruction. He gives the Beatitudes, uh, all this other stuff. And right in the middle, he goes, uh, pray like this. And, and this follows where he says, don't pray like the Gentiles do, where they babble on and on. Don't pray like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners. Um, and, he, and he says, pray like this. And then there's, and there's an address. And then there's six requests in this prayer. It says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I've, I've loved doing this as a series. It's, it's incredible. But then he says, the first thing, the first request is, may your name be kept holy. Second request is, may your kingdom come soon. The third request is, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as we're talking laundry lists, who's the recipient of all of these prayer requests so far? There, it's God and God's glory and God's purpose. And then we get to us. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And so I started thinking, okay, this is a model prayer. Um, we learn in scripture that Jesus would go alone overnight sometimes to pray because of what he was facing. What is he doing that whole time? Well, he's saying, God, I need this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And if you give it to me, I'll be really good. No, 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 not at all. Prayer is, is something different. So the first question I would have is I don't think that prayer is just an opportunity to lay out your request for God. So with all you guys know, with, with the wisdom of, I don't know what, 60 years of pastoral experience between you know us, maybe 70, 80 years, I don't know what it is. What is the purpose of prayer? I always just keep them a forefront. First off, prayer reminds us that we're not alone. You know, in life that, you know, we have that picture of God, you know, in and through Jesus Christ being with us. I, I think my favorite sermon illustration with prayer is, you know, the gentleman who was passing away and there's a chair sitting next to his bed and, and the daughter calls the preacher in to, you know, to go see this person. And 
Uh, the preacher's like, well, can I sit in that chair? And he goes, no, you can't sit in that chair. You got to sit in the other chair. And he says, well, why can't I sit in that chair? Because that's where my Jesus is. And when I pray to my Jesus, I see him sitting right next to me. You know, so, so that essence of not being alone, but acknowledging God's presence first and foremost. I don't know. That's what I was thinking of, Pete. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I guess I could go so many different directions with this, Josh. Um, I, I liked what, what you said about if we don't get what we pray for, then that means that our prayer is an answer. And when I say I like that, I, I like the fact that we're discussing that because that is so not correct. And you, I, you didn't say it was correct, but that's the that's the basically the way that the study found you know i've heard it said that god answers prayer in one of three ways yes no or wait and what i have found about prayer is that throughout my life throughout my christian walk i i gave my life entirely to jesus christ back in 1980 so that was about 41 years ago now and um Throughout all those years, I have learned different things about prayer. I have been taught different things about prayer. And just about the time I think I'm getting it figured out, something else comes up that I realize there's a lot more to it. But one thing that I do have a difficult time doing is praying and asking for a specific outcome other than, as it says in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. Because I don't always know what God's will is. I don't know if he is going to heal that person. I know that God's will is that that person will become a Christian. But I don't always know a physical healing. Is that what God wants? I don't always know what's going on. I will pray for our nation at this point in time right now. But I don't know what God wants of our nation necessarily. But I pray that his will is done. You know, you know what's interesting in scripture is it tells, it tells us to pray about everything. Mm -hmm. And then it says... And then you will, the, the receipt of that or what you receive from that is then you will know God's peace, which passes anything you can understand. So look, pray about everything. The answer when you turn it over to God is then you will know God's peace. <laughs> Not, and it's weird because it doesn't say then he'll do what you ask him. And I, I just think that's really, but, but let's look really quick. Purpose of prayer. Jesus says, pray like this. This is Again, this is God himself revealing what a prayer should look like. So, Not the words of it, but structure and everything. You're in Matthew 6, Lord's Prayer, right? Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse uh, 9. You, is where I I'm think looking. you said Matthew 7 earlier. So that's Oh, I'm sorry. Ma I, Matthew 6. I've just tripled um, so our, our podcast listeners are going, okay, where are they? So it's, it's Yeah, the, the Sermon on the Mount is 5 through 7, and right. I'm looking right in the middle of Matthew okay. 6, verse 9. Yep, just triple checking. So here's how it starts out. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So here's this, God, we're special. Jesus is teaching us, like me, call him Father. Um, I like to say it like this. The Bible doesn't say that everyone is a child of God. Um, a child of God is somebody who accepts Jesus Christ and has become a, a believer, and we have a special relationship with God, and because we have a special relationship with God, we have special access to God, which is kind of cool, and we're, we're recognizing this 
right at the very beginning, we're also recognizing that God is the standard, the perfection, the, the glorious standard. We all fall short of it, but God doesn't. So I think prayer starts out as worship to a personal God. I think this is what Jesus is telling us. So what is prayer? Prayer is worship. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is also an acknowledgement that God knows more than I do, that God has a perfect, uh, um, not only that God is perfect, but he has perfect uh, a perfect perception of what is going on. Um, and, and I think in that, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't trust myself to see everything, but I do trust God to see everything. Mm-hmm. I don't trust myself to be able to answer some. And so it's this, it, it begins as worship and the desire to change. I'm willing to put my, I'm willing to say like Jesus did before the cross, I'm willing to let not my will be done, but, but yours. Um, but we're told to pray about specific things too. And so just right in here, we get the, the desire to worship and prayer being uh, an opportunity to change. But the other thing I started thinking is, Prayer is communication, and you can't have a relationship with somebody unless you communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Imagine if, and, and, and I, I talked about this in church, imagine if my wife, my wife's name is Holly. Imagine if Holly and I reduced our relationship, and whether it works or not, to how often I asked her for something and she did what I, what I asked for. We would not have a happy marriage at all. Mm-hmm. We would not know each other very well. And I almost wonder if prayer is just this constant building of relationship and constant, you know, committing to each other and constantly making yourself available to the other. You know, Josh, I'm I'm sitting here listening to this and I keep coming up with that Bruce Almighty. Yeah, I showed a clip from it in my series, on my sermon. I I could see why, because it's in my mind, I'm going, he got tired of listening to all these prayers. So he hit yes for everything and it turned out to mess up the world, you know, yeah. It's like, you know, because, you know, when you're walking through this, especially yeah. I, don't, like, I don't trust myself to see everything. No, no. I mean, when, when you think about the omniscience of God and, you know, going through all those attributes of God, you, you start realizing when you say thy will be done, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, you're accepting the reality. I'm sorry, I'm Calvinist, so I have to say it. That he's in control of everything, that he's sovereign over everything. He knows what's best for me. And I always love the Romans 8 text where it talks about when you're walking in the spirit and you're in the, the spirit and you're adopted by the spirit, you can call him Abba. You can yeah. call him daddy. Yeah. You know? And and I think prayer, that's why I keep in my mind that illustration I started with earlier. Prayer is so much of a family, intimate feeling with God. And like you were saying, you know, with your wife, you know, if, if you don't have that constant communication going back and forth, you, you can't grow in Christ without it. You know, and, and that's something about prayer that I think is so important to emphasize when I work with my youth group kids, you know, I said, it's all right. If, if you're mad at God, put it in prayer. Look at the Psalms. The Psalms are loaded with why God? Why have you done this to me? Be that real with God in your prayer life. You know, I like I, I like what you're saying there too, Don. Um, and Josh, when you talked about like with with your wife, uh, you know, any of us could say that with our wives. Th- think about prayer in the same way that you would think about um, being with your spouse and 
Is every single moment that you are with your spouse taken up with talking? Or are there times when you're just quiet, but you're just enjoying being in their presence or whatever? You know, like I'm thinking about the times when maybe we're on a car ride and and uh, my wife doesn't like me to drive. She likes to drive. But uh, there are times when we'll just be sitting there, you know, for 10, 15 minutes. There, there might not be a word said, but we, we both know each other is there. and We can talk whenever we want. So it's not like I, I think it would drive my wife nuts if I went. Talking, 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 and that probably drive me nuts if she did the same thing without stopping. And we 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 tend to do that in prayer. It's like, okay, now it's time to pray, and we just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Amen. You know, I don't know if that's what prayer is supposed to be about. And then what you guys are saying about Thy will be done, to me, that is the biggest thing, because I don't know what God's will is. As I said, other than that he wants people to be saved. So even when I pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, as it says in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come quickly. I would love to have Jesus come back quickly. But, you know, he also said that that he won't come back until the full number is is uh, is ready to go to heaven. Yeah, so but we're like, supposed to pray you know, for him to come back, though. Yeah. What's I mean, that? Isn't that we're supposed to may your kingdom come soon? Right. Right. Um, but what I'm saying is, so instead of our just sitting back and saying, may it come soon, maybe what that is, it's a call to evangelism. Hey, get more people to maybe. come to the Lord and it will come soon. And so maybe, you know, have you ever thought of it this way? I hope this isn't a rabbit trail. But when when we are praying for somebody, might it not be that God is saying, yes, that person does need help. Now, yeah. here's how I want you to help them. There you go. Yeah. I, I, would, I do want to say, too, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don alluded to something uh, very Calvinist and all that, you know, he, he does and everything. But, you know, I, I think when, when the Bible talks about the will of God, um, the sovereignty of God, all that kind of stuff, but specifically the will of God, it, I, I think it talks about it in two different ways. One is God's will, um, where it would say here in heaven, but in the cosmos and the way he's bringing about you know, the end of times and the way also that, you know, the, the planets rotate and there's objective things and there's gravity and all that stuff. And God's will is just going to be done because he set things to work a certain way. But then there's another one of his will, which they would refer to as the will by decree or the will by command. And he's given us the opportunity and Don and I may may disagree a little bit on this, but I don't, I don't think completely. He's given us the opportunity where he says, hey, Josh, this is my will for you. And I have the opportunity of saying no. And so Jesus is saying, when I pray or when you pray, pray that God's will is done, not only like it is in heaven or in the spirit or the, the realm that he controls everything from, but also in the way that you respond to him. Right. Also in the way that other people respond to him. You have an option of choosing either the kingdom of this world or the self or choosing the kingdom of God. Um, God, may your will be done where I have a choice. Right. I almost wonder if he's, he's teaching us to be willing to change as we pray as well. Um, but in the masterful way that Jesus prays and in the masterful ways all scripture is written, there's literally a thousand ways you could take everything he says here. It's just so beautifully worded. Um, it's so important and everything. But I, I just, I don't know, th there's, there's this constant kind of, 
uh, partnership in prayer that we're doing. I, I think Jesus is teaching us our Father in heaven. Obviously, we're partner with Father. We're in the family business. May your kingdom come soon. I'm praying for heaven. And we also know that your kingdom's here when I choose Jesus Christ. May I be part of your kingdom here and may I lead others to be part of that kingdom. May your will be done in the way it is in heaven. I want to be part of making sure it's done like that on earth and in my life. Um, and so, I don't know. But let me ask you this. How do you know your prayer has worked? If, if Pete, if Don, if you could do a study based just on your own life. And if we've determined that prayer is not, and now I'm assuming this, you guys may still, you guys may believe this. Prayer to me is not just, God, I need this to happen. And if I get that, it worked. If I didn't get it, it didn't work. And I think that we'd all agree that that's not really the purpose of prayer and the way to judge prayer. So how, if you look back over the last 20 years of your life, is there an objectively... Is there an objective way or, a, or a, 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 a way that you could determine that prayers have or have not worked? And what would that measurement be? I, I have to go farther back than just 20 years. Um, I think I was about 10 years old, matter of fact. Um, it was right after the divorce. Dad had lost the house. He lost half his family in the divorce. Then two months later, grandma had a massive heart attack. So he was losing everything. And we ended up ironically in Hinsdale Hospital in the chapel. And he's on his knees, his tears are rolling down his, you know, his cheeks. And he says, you know, lads, we have to accept what God's will here is. And I'm praying that it's give us more time with Mammy. And so we prayed for God's will to be done if it was it was accepting, you know, that grandma could be healed and all the above. And so we go home and we stayed up all night. It was the longest night I remembered. And the next day she came back like a roaring lion. And, you know, what what was interesting about what he taught us about prayer was it's accepting what God will do even when we don't know what God will do. I think we've probably all had times because we've all been Christians long enough. We've all been in ministry long enough where we have seen things that we can only term as miraculous. They were definitely moves of God. They were things beyond what, for instance, medical science could have done. There are things that may have happened where you said, how did I manage to escape that unhurt? Um, <clears throat> You know, there are things like that that have happened, and, and I call those God things. But I guess where my, I don't want to say difference here, because I think we're, we're coming from the same place, Josh. I think we're just using maybe different terminology. Um, and maybe it has to be, maybe it's based on some of the words in the books that you read or I read. I, I don't consider a prayer, quote, successful or unsuccessful. I'm just talking to God, yeah. you know, and, and I, I believe, you know, yes, I'm Nazarene. I believe in free will, but I'm also enough knowing that God is sovereign. Yeah. Let me, let me, yeah. To put, to put it like that, when, say you took your wife on a date and you talked with her during the date, 
is it right to judge whether the conversation worked or is it right just to enjoy mm-hmm. what happened? Right. And I think it's the latter. Yeah. And I almost wonder if ever trying to determine whether or not prayer works it is not the point. Yeah. Because we're looking the at point it from our human prism. Yeah, we, we have our own our own prism of our own life, our own way of looking at things, and we say, hey, it worked because I got what I wanted. But wait a minute. Yeah. What if it wasn't if it didn't work? What if it, it worked? What we wanted? Yeah. What if it worked just because you got to spend time with God? Mm-hmm. But then you get to, I, I don't know, it's in the Old Testament where it says your prayers kind of hit a ceiling because you're not uh, doing it from the right perspective and everything. So I don't know if we're supposed to be in this area of, you know, you, you can judge if your prayers are being heard. Because I think that's scriptural language. God's not hearing your prayers because you're not taking care of orphans and widows, because your your heart isn't right, because your whole faith is is for show and all of that. But there's also this other aspect of it that I, I, I think we're supposed to look at is that prayers shouldn't be judged on whether we get what we want out of them, because what a privilege it is to talk to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And, and isn't that enough? <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I think- and maybe... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, one of the things that I've used as an illustration before about prayer, and, you know, <laughs> it doesn't really work in our United States form of government because we have a president who is not supposed to be a dictator, but, you know, more and more, I don't know if that's the case. But anyway, um, I don't want to get political here. But the point being, if you are, imagine this, the child of the president of the United States, you have this unique perspective because you can go to the president of the United States, and since all presidents have been men so far, I'll just say, and call that person daddy. But when you go to your daddy and say, daddy, can I, you know, have, you know, if you're a kid, can I have some candy or whatever? Your daddy might say yes, your daddy might say no. But if you go to your daddy, the president, and say, hey, can you, um, tell them to tear down my school because I don't like my teacher. Um, you know, the, the president of the United States might be able to find a way to get that done, but he might also say no because he has the bigger picture in mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I just wonder, I, I know that, I know we're supposed to ask about things. I know we're supposed to pray about things. I know we're supposed to ask daddy to take care of, uh, issues. And I think the daddy there, the Abba father is a, is a very formal kind of daddy too, not kind of a silly kind of childish one. But I, I, I almost wonder if we're robbing ourselves of the beauty of prayer by reducing it to asking for things. Mm-hmm. And I know he's God and I know he's able to do. And, and this week I'm speaking on give us our daily bread. And I think we're supposed to think back to the story of manna where God provided because there was no other way that they could make it in the wilderness. They didn't have, they couldn't stop and farm. They couldn't kill all their livestock or they wouldn't have anymore. There was no other way, but God provided a way. And so they began to see that. And I think you're supposed to think about that. God, um, I need to see that, that my sustenance comes only from you. Right. Um, and it's just kind of, but it's just kind of this wonderful acknowledgement. God, you're my, you're my father. God, you're powerful. God, you, you have a better way. God, you're bringing heaven where there'll be no more sorrow, crying, pain, death, all these things will be gone forever, and I cannot wait. And until then, I'm just going to try to invite you into every area of my life, and I want your will to be done, and I want to love your will so much that I'm willing to surrender my own to follow it and all this stuff. But 
I just wonder if the, whether it works or not is, I don't know, the process. Maybe it's an irrelevant question. I, th- I think it might be. Um, and I think the more we let other people like, like this group from Harvard determine the playing field, um, somebody, I think, should have said, hold on, you misunderstand. I mean, obviously, they get non-Christians to pray and ask God for stuff. That's the dumbest thing you could do um, and then say Christian prayer doesn't work. That doesn't even make any sense. Mm-hmm. And you wonder how they spent two and a half million dollars on a study that didn't even think that through. But I, w- I wonder if somebody should push back and say, hold on, that's not why you pray. I, I well, think isn't that what Jesus addressed? I'm sorry, were you uh, saying that? I, I think uh, the shall we call it the counter book? We, we got to present the war room then. That, yeah. was, that was a great movie on prayer and, and the process of prayer. And, you know, when, when, because I spent a lot of time, I think I spent a whole year just sort of working through the war room and how to approach God just with a prayer of praise. A lot of my old reformers had never thought about just a prayer of praise. Yeah. Nothing more. Yeah. Acknowledging his presence, being in yeah. his presence way, way, way before you ask for anything. Just praise him. Yeah. Psalmist do. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's where, you know, as you're looking over, you know, the case for miracles and, and that process, I think the war room should also be brought up in line with that because i found the war room and and that process of prayer and studying it really shaped a freshly revived a lot of people's prayer walk when they really looked at the war room and that process um so uh, that that was something you know as you were talking about that josh i kept thinking about the war room the war room and and just that movie and just the study guide and everything just so beautiful in the process of prayer yeah. Yeah, I think um, and we're probably kind of finishing up. I, I do want to say, I don't think the purpose of prayer is getting what you want. But at the same time, I've seen so many, I, I hate to call it because of this, this, this study. Um, I hate to call it so many answered prayers. But my goodness, I've seen so many answered prayers in my life. <laughs> um, so that may not be the point, but God meets needs left and right. And he tells us to, and he says, when you're sick, go and get the elders. I mean, we're told to, to, to bring these things to him, but oftentimes the answer is, okay, now you've turned it over to your father. Why are you worrying about this anymore? Trust my will, trust my plan. But I, I do want to say, because we've been talking about it, the case for miracles, if you're ever just kind of wanting a boost. If you're just ever wanting to, um, you know, do, do are there miracles in the world? Do it, this is the most phenomenal book. And Lee Strobel, if you've never read any of his stuff, he he puts details and he background checks everything, and he just crosses every T and dots every I. And this will have you just kind of jumping for joy at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I just thought it'd be interesting just to push back a little bit. If you ever reduced your relationship with your wife to, hey, every time I asked you for something, you got it for me. So we have a good marriage. (laughs) I just don't think you'd be happy in your relationship very long. And so we see that here, but for some reason we can't see it with God. Our relationship with God cannot be reduced. How insulting it would be to reduce it to God. I need this, 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 and this. You're three for five this week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We might be in trouble here. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just thought that'd be good to talk yeah. about. And I think that one of the things that maybe we can use this as a jumping off point sometime is along the lines of um, if you don't pray enough, is God not going to honor what you say? Mm. You know, if, if, if you had 47 people pray for the healing of, you know, Johnny over here, is God in heaven saying you needed 53? Sorry. You know, that's that's the kind of thing, you know, there's kind of things. all kind of, And the other thing that I really want to say, and I don't want to take too long because I know we're running short on time, is that one of the things that I read many years ago was how if you look at many, many, many of the great saints of church history, almost every one of them said that they felt like they were inadequate in prayer. Prayer doesn't need to be a chore, folks. It needs to be the fact that it's a relationship with our Father. And um, Pete, some of them prayed three and four hours a day, too. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) And that's what I'm saying is it it doesn't need to be a chore. It needs to be a relationship. I mean, can you imagine uh, if any of us was told, now you need to sit in the room and continually talk to your wife for four hours every day. Mm -hmm. You know, that might not be a joyful thing. Mm-hmm. Prayer is supposed to be a joyful thing where we come into the presence of the Lord and we enjoy being with him. I have I have taken a Josh, and I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit, maybe in, that, in these same words. But many years ago, I realized that in addition to saying, hey, I'm going to have my prayer times where I'm just having prayer times with God, <clears throat> that I should be throughout my daily life in an attitude of prayer. Knowing that I can talk to him anytime, I can give him a sentence here, you know. Hey, Lord, thank you for that. You know, I did that, like, I think it was earlier today. I said, thanks for such a nice day today when I was out walking around doing my job. You know, because I've, I've been in days when it's been rainy or snowy or whatever, and today was a really nice day, you know. So he can hear me then, too. Well, guys, um, I didn't mean to co-op the ending there, Josh. but I no, just you're good. Of, you're I good. That was just in, uh, something we needed to say to our listeners. And it's about time for us to wrap up today. So, Josh Kugel, I do want to thank you for uh, sharing this in prayer. And could you, again, both of you guys, I would like to, if you could, because I haven't said this enough during our podcasts, tell me where it is you pastor and how people can connect with your church, uh, even online or whatever. Yeah, I, I pastor First Baptist Church of Lyman, and it's in Gulfport, Mississippi, kind of the north end of Gulfport, Mississippi. And you can connect with us by either going to fbclyman.org to our Facebook, uh, which I think is FBC Lyman, um, by calling my cell phone, which is, what's your cell phone number, Pete? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> or by stopping by uh, and worshiping with us. We'd love to have you. And I'm in Illinois, East Central Illinois, Danforth Reformed Church and good old Danforth, Illinois, total population of 650, a bustling Mm. metropolis, no stoplights. That's how small we are. Mm. Um, I'm 400 Church Street. We're at the top of the T. If you're looking for us, if you want to experience first online, you can find us on Twitch TV. It would be Twitch TV backslash DRC 400 1869. And that's where we are online at 9 a.m. in the morning, or they stay on there for two weeks. If you want to experience us and check us out there, you can. Um, if you want to get a hold of me via email, it's drc400 at yahoo.com. So that's where we're at, and that's how you can catch up with us. Thank you, Pete. 
Oh, you're welcome. And uh, well, I'm kind of between churches. I don't know if anybody has heard that one yet. Um, but uh, Christway Church in Pleasantville, Ohio, is where I have been worshiping, and I'm in the process of um, becoming a staff pastor there. We have some some interdenominational red tape that we have to go through there. Uh, I'm part of the Church of the Nazarene, but Christway Church is uh, Christway.cc on Facebook. I know we have a website. I don't have it right up in front of me, though, but we do have our um, services streamed on Sunday mornings through Relay Faith. I know. And, and um, it's at 10 o'clock Eastern time. So um, I know that Don, I know you stream yours. Josh, do you stream yours as well? We do. We stream live on Facebook. Okay. So anyway, I've taken the last several minutes just to say, uh, you know, we, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. You can contact any of us, I would think, through these churches where we are on staff or pastoring. And, you know, the bottom line is we want you to know Jesus Christ. We want you to know his reconciling grace. So until next time, may God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.